Hey guys, Tim K here, founder of the Veterans Project and the Caregiver Project, as well as your host for the Veterans Project podcast. I wanted to do something a little different. I don't think we express thanks enough to our listeners, uh, followers, reviewers of the podcast. Uh, so, you know, we, we, we've gotten a few great reviews over the past month or so, but I was going to go back and read some of the older ones that we never read on air because I wanted to say thanks to those uh, listeners. I hope you're still out there and I hope you're still listening to the podcast. It makes all the difference in the world. You help build the bridge by sharing these stories. Otherwise, we become a giant echo chamber and that's not what we want to be. We want to be expanding, growing, and pushing these legacies out to people around the world. So without further ado, we have Corey Marietta. He says, the most legit and humbling podcast I've ever listened to. This is a must for vets and civilians alike. It bridges the gap and can help reacclimate vets back to civilian life. I don't have the words or vocabulary to describe how essential this is. He says it with an exclamation point. That's nice, Corey. I like that. Please listen and spread the word. Let's make them number one. Wow, number one. Man, that would mean a lot, buddy. Hey, we appreciate that, Corey. That was uh, really an impressive review. That was a legit and humbling review. Uh, so I appreciate you. And then we've got another one here. And I like this one. It was short, but it was very succinct and well put. And that's something I enjoy. Anani03 said, Been following the project and was mesmerized by the emotion and soul in the photos Tim K took. Hey, that's me. That's crazy. Thank you, Anani. <laughs> So I was excited to find out there is a podcast. The first brought tears to my eyes, so I'm listening to them all now. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, Anani, and I hope I'm saying your name right. But that is amazing, uh, truly beautiful. Again, guys, without you out there reviewing, uh, rating, subscribing, and pushing this out to friends, family, we don't grow. And if we don't grow, like I said, we become the echo chamber. We don't want that. We want continual growth out into civilian society, caregiver society, veteran society, uh, these communities so that we can express ourselves uh, more openly to more folks and we can make people aware that we are not just inv individual cyborgs that come back to the States or wherever your home country is and go into a closet and plug in until the next war. We are indeed uh, individuals and human beings who are living our lives very differently. And this next guest is uh, further proof of that. So thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Marine Devil Dog, the first to fight, hard charging, dragon slaying, elite killer to fashion designer. It may not be the typical transition for a veteran, but then again, there is absolutely nothing typical about the veteran community. The beauty of the individual American servicemen's or women's diverse backgrounds is something we've spoken of quite often on this podcast and in the projects. Trinidad Garcia's path from a successful career in the Marine Corps to a connoisseur of all things denim was anything but conventional. But that's probably part of the lure of his brand. Non-conventional, extreme attention down to every single stitch, and sourced as truly all-American denim. I've been in the shop when he's working on his stuff. It's absolutely incredible. When you're in the building, you see him putting every single detail into every little stitch. It's such a special process to watch. And uh, it's something that will draw your eye and absolutely blow you away. That's truly the Marine Corps way. Some of you out there, the idea of being fashionable might be stepping up to a button down from Target as opposed to visiting your usual stomping grounds of Walmart. And that's fine. But I at least want to introduce you to the idea of denim as an art form. 
I also want you to introduce you to what it means to take those time-tested Marine Corps concepts of honor, courage, and commitment and applying them to every single part of your life. Yes, even to the world of style. I'll admit that I was fascinated with the subject of this project as I myself am a big fan of fashion as an art form. From 2-7 Marine to founder of Trinidad 3 Jeans, here he is, the one and only Trinidad Garcia. The Veterans Project is a comprehensive essay capturing the legacies of our warfighters, caregivers, and civilians who have stepped forward in defense of our patriotic principles in an effort to capture their stories and to never forget the staggering sacrifices of our nation's finest. This is the Veterans Project Podcast, where our legacies are the mission. Here's your host, Tim Kay. Welcome to the Veterans Project Podcast. My name is Tim Kay. I'll be your host as always uh, here on the podcast. We've got Trinidad Garcia the third. Yay. Hence Trinidad Garcia three. Hence Trinidad three genes. There we go. So Trinidad was a U.S. Marine. We got chided on the former thing yesterday. <laughs> once a Marine, so always a Marine. Us. Yeah, once a Marine, always a Marine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've got Trinidad here, and he is an artist, a purveyor of all things denim. Um, and not only that, just an incredible designer, period. We, we kind of obviously on this podcast, you know, we want to take you back through the life and speak on things about, you know, guided, what guided you into the Marine Corps, what guided your path in what you do now in this beautiful world of fashion design right here out here in Los Angeles. What guided your path, Trinidad, and, and, and why did you... Let's, let's start with the well, Marine I'm Corps. The, uh, I'm the artist formerly known as Sergeant Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> so we can touch on... The, I like that. On the former That's part beautiful. Of it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I've heard it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> From fellow Marines. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know they, they don't never let, tease you. No, they yeah. never tease me. Yeah. They don't let me get away with anything. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, sounds a lot like what I went through. Yep. So, talk a little bit about your path and and what brought you to where you are now. Well, it's quite interesting journey to say the least. I I call it machine guns, the sewing machines. In a nutshell, I was a machine gunner in the Marine Corps. Used a GI Bill. Went to fashion school, and became a designer. Cool. So what was it like being a kid? What was it like being uh, home in the Garcia household? Uh, you know, you, can you remember, you know, I want to go way back. What You as a child, what do you remember first about really, first of all, wanting to be a United States Marine? And, and did that not shape early on? Was that something that came on later? It's It shaped early on. Uh, my grandfather was a CB in the Navy, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. My dad's a Vietnam vet in the Air Force. And so we that was my, my background. And growing up here, in, I was born in Port Wanimi, California. Um, growing up in Port Wanimi in Oxnard, right next to the CB base, it was instilled, it was in front of me. And uh, what did it in the Marine Corps was my dad brought home a VHS movie, a full metal jacket. Oh, that'll do it. And that... Uh, that's when I first learned about the Marine Corps uh-huh. and somewhat what it was about. Yeah. And it just stayed ingrained in my head yeah. as a kid. 
Actually, I'll take that back because that could totally turn you the other way, too. <laughs> it can. You can see that movie and be like, oh, absolutely not. There is no way in hell I am doing that job. Well, I think that's that was the intention of my dad. Right. To scare you? To scare me. Yeah. And, and it didn't work. No, it didn't work at all with any, you know, any Marine. That's a pretty iconic movie. Right. I think it's pretty safe to say. So when I was a kid when I saw that, but growing up. I was uh, an athlete. I was always really obsessed with jeans, even as a, a kid. I was just always wearing jeans. And uh, growing up in grade school, some of my favorite times was back to school shopping. I'd have to get really creative. We had limited resources. So yeah. I had a, my mom would, would tell me, hey, you know, you have so much to spend. You can get one jean or two, three shirts, or you can do two jeans, one shirt, and I had to get really creative so that kids wouldn't make fun of me for not having, you know, a lot of clothes and and uh, didn't want to be seen as a poor kid. Yeah. You know, they're at school. So I, I isn't, masked. Isn't that such a weird thing, though, when you think about it, like be, like people making fun of people for like their parents. <laughs> money. Oh, yeah. Like, what is wrong with you? I mean, you were a terrible savage. Yeah, they were ruthless. And the, now I thinking back, I mean, everyone there was, you know, in the fairly same economic situation. You know, you had those privileged kids, of course. Right. You know, they had the new Jordans and they had all the nice gear. But uh, it was quite interesting that now they were the ones making fun of me. Yeah. Um, you know, if you had Payless shoes and this and that, <laughs> which some people didn't matter. Yeah. But to me, it it did because that was that was my passion early on. Like I really was into clothes. Right. You know, I was a kid. My mom had, you know, suits that I would like wearing as a little kid. Like and that's not normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but it, it's what's led your path to where you're at now as an elite designer. And I don't say that lightly because, you know, one of those things that Nate brought up to me when he brought you up, he's like, man, you got to check this guy out. He's so cool, bro. And I was like, okay, first of all, calm down. But, <laughs> but oh, yeah. you know, Nate, like when he gets oh, hyped up on something, he'll get into it. He gets really bromantic. Yes, he gets super bromantic. Yeah. And I was like, who's this dude that's stepping in on my territory? <laughs> <laughs> but but then when he brought you up, you know, in all seriousness, I was like, okay, you know, if Nate's, I told you, if Nate mentions someone, then, then I want to know, you know, who it is. When you mentioned, man, there's this guy, he's a Marine and, you know, he, he's an incredible designer and you check out his stuff. And I kind of in my head did the whole, you know, thing like, oh, he's a Marine and he's a designer. Okay. We'll see. You know, like <laughs> I am picky about my clothes. So I was like, yeah, we'll see how good this is. You know, and I love the diesel jeans. I love, you know, seven for mankind, but I'm very picky. There are really only a couple brands I really like. So when I was looking at, uh, now everybody listening to this podcast, they're totally ostracized them. <laughs> like, we're never listening to this podcast yeah. again. Uh -oh. Tim is a snob. <laughs> Tim's wearing designer clothes. <laughs> no. Veterans <laughs> wear designer clothes. No, that can't happen. <laughs> but, you know, when he, when he mentioned that, I, I looked and I just saw the artistry, man. The attention to detail right away impacted me. And I'm like, man, that is that rock star brand. Like, I had this feeling of wow, like just smacked me in the face, to be honest. And so when I started looking, I was like, cool. Yeah, this guy is a guy like I want to cover. He's pretty cool. I love clothes. Makes sense. 
And then I started looking, and then yesterday we're in the factory, and I'm looking at the attention to detail and just the stitching and the inside of the jeans and the just the innate feel you have for the art and for putting something incredible together that someone is proud to wear. But we're not talking just wear, right? This is a legacy piece in a way. These are jeans that are going to last you for a very long time because of the way that you put attention to detail. And that all goes back to the Marine Corps, a profound attention to detail, right? Absolutely. It really links back to all the details. Things really need to make sense as well. So I incorporate utility in it. And when I was a student at fashion school, I was one of the only designers to ask the factory owner, like, how do you make things better? Mm. Like what makes a gene a good gene? And at our factory, uh, we were working on, I'm going to say we were working on because I was interning with him, with the factory owner, uh, fear of God. Uh, We were doing genes for Tom Ford, 424, just to name a few. Mm. So Tom Ford's no big deal. No, <laughs> just a little, I guess he's all right. Just an Amer- another American designer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he used to work for Gucci. Yeah, <laughs> who Jay Z yeah. raps about in his songs. Yeah, no, yeah, no biggie. Yeah, I saw like some really expensive jeans, and as a student, and again, you know, when we're things need to make sense to us, and I think most veterans can connect or agree with me on that. We don't just want to do things for. If it doesn't make sense, we always say, oh, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. Right. And and so when I was looking at, you know, even on my jeans, a coin pocket, I, I was like, who the heck carries coins now? Mm. So that was the first thing that I said, well, that's going out. We carry cell phones, so I incorporated a cell phone pocket. Yeah. So utility was a big part of it, you know, fit, form, function. Yeah. We've heard that. And so I, I just really honed in on that to perfect what would be the best gene. And a lot of times it's really what's on the inside. And there's a gentleman who founded Junkyard Jeans. He's a vintage collector. And he had said that I am one of the few brands that's making future vintage. Mm, that's beautiful. And dude. we're using American denim. Now, wow. if you think about, you know, jeans, it's truly rooted here in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's an American iconic piece. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back though, since we were working chronologically, sure. we were kind of talking about your growth. So you're a kid, you're there, you want to, uh, you want to maximize what you get out of every outfit. Right. Yep. So w- what was your, what was that like that, that did, do you think that that had a massive impact on your creativity now in, in what you're doing now? Well, it really forced me to go think outside the box, especially with clothing and putting in essence looks together. And it started with me just wanting to show that I was, you know, a stylish kid, a cool kid that had a large wardrobe, Mm -hmm. you know, because in school it's, it's what you're wearing. It's your shoes. It's your, what you have on because obviously you're not driving. Right. So you can't show off your car. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or, or uh, I walked driving, to school, so probably have bad parents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would walk to school, so uh, I couldn't show off my my bike, and it wasn't really one to show off, anyways. Right. It really forced me at a young age to to look into into that segment of my life, and then I mean, it just started to carry over into seventh grade, eighth grade. I mean, I was voted best dressed in uh, seventh, eighth grade. 
And That's then, a big title then. It was huge, man. Yeah. I was like, big man <laughs> to, on campus. To listener, to some of our veteran brothers listening, they may not understand, but I totally get it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. I can see why that would be important. And then into high school, I had uh, I was getting into trouble, so they sent me to another high school. And what I would do was I'd just call up my buddy from the other high school, and we would swap like clothes mm. midweek. So I'd plan out, and I'd put together looks for both of us, so we were both on a limited budget, but we were at different high schools. So we were able to, you know, look fashionable in two different settings. And I didn't have to, you know, spend a lot of money on, on clothing. Yeah. And I was in the fashion section of the yearbook, was voted trendiest as well in, in high school. Uh-huh. So it was always like underlying. But uh, before that, I mean, I was in seventh grade. Uh, electives were coming and I, I took sewing. Mm. and I remember my dad showing up and he pulled me out. He showed up with a Dean and he was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so they pulled me out. Sounds like something my dad. <laughs> like, <Yep>. What? <laughs> so I got, you know, Vietnam vet showing up like, what the hell are you doing in sewing class? So I was like, I'm sewing a guitar, dad. <laughs> like I picked something manly, you know, I wasn't there sewing a my little pony, yeah. you know, plush toy. Yeah, yeah. And then uh after that I had said I wanted uh I wanted to make him, you know, an M sixteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he pulled me out a little too soon. Mm, that's and then uh it happened three more times in high school. Yeah, I was in high school and wow. he showed up again with the dean. Cause every you know, you get a chance to pick your elective, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, all right, here it is. You know, some grown up stuff. And uh so I picked sewing and bam, he pulled me out again. Wow. So again. But this time the last time I was in school taking sewing, I was in fashion school uh-huh. and uh, using my GI Bill. And he was in Miami, so he couldn't pull me out. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd served in the Marine Corps, so I'm guessing he was questioning your decisions a little less at that moment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. By then, I, I mean, I was on, uh, I guess it's safe to say now, I was on active duty, yeah. uh, on I&I duty there in L.A. So, and, Wow. Uh, yeah. That's wild. It was wild. <laughs> So, so I don't want to say you gave up on your dream, but for a while there, there was space and time where it was like not the practical thing to do, right? I mean, you did you get married and have kids? Like, what was the path? What was the thing that made you not get into it right away? Well, I've been very blessed. Um, my wife, Sonia, we've been together since high school. Awesome. So she's been very supportive from day one on yeah. all my crazy adventures. But I was chasing the dream early on. I was uh, after high school, went to college, and I almost joined uh, at that point, my freshman year in college, scored really high on the ASVAB. At that point, I was um, in between the Navy and, and Marines, and uh, I took the test first with the Navy. That recruiter told me, just stay in college. You scored really high, stay in college. You know, as soon as you graduate, he's like, come back here officer material the recruiter told you to stay in college yeah wow those are progressive recruiters (laughs) my recruiter was like please i've got to hit numbers he probably saw what i was wearing i was like yeah Yeah. you're a little too fashionable (laughs) (laughs) or maybe you'll fit the navy perfectly (laughs) that's right (laughs) Uh, why does it look like a ymca video (laughs) (laughs) didn't help i showed up you know with my buddy who was a native american and (laughs) (laughs) there was a cop there 
there oh, yeah. and a fireman. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> randomly showed up. Randomly we love up. to tease the Navy. We have to. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't be it wouldn't, normal. No, yeah. it wouldn't. Army and Marine. Yeah. <laughs> Got exactly. <to. laughs> That's one thing we join in on. <laughs> yep. So I, I stayed focused on on that path and I started um designing and uh selling soccer uniforms. Okay. Um here locally. So I was bringing those things in and then uh, that evolved into designing like my own hoodies and sweatshirts and kind of touching the streetwear side. I taught myself how to screen print. Oh, cool. So I was a wow. screen printer from early on. Dude, that's, that's a lot, man. Yeah. Till my mom was, you know, on my case because of the smell from the ink I was doing in the garage. Oh. <laughs> So I can see how that could be troublesome. To, yeah. You need to do this somewhere else. Yeah. And then um I was fortunate enough to to meet one of the players from the LA Galaxy. And uh, from there I partnered up with uh, another American icon, Paul Caligari. He scored the goal that qualified the US back into the World Cup in okay. uh, nineteen eighty-nine. Okay. Uh for the nineteen ninety World Cup, ironically against Trinidad. Ah. (laughs) so then uh we partnered up and i started designing uniforms for him and we had a little company we were outfitting clubs so the creative side was going Um, so you'd already been doing it and see that's where i didn't quite understand you Mm -hmm. had been creating and designing before you chose the path of denim exactly yeah before i chose i've been doing it since i was about 19 Wow. Yep. And that's when I first ventured off to do some creative work. And I mean, when I was in high school, Career Day Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising LA was there. And I went and I talked to them. My dad, again, was like, <laughs> no, you're not doing that. <laughs> he was like, you're not doing that. You're, you're, so yeah, you're going to be a doctor, a dentist. And, you know, so. Yeah, all the practical jobs, right? They make a lot of money. Yeah, all yeah. the ones that make a lot of money and make sense too. Not to the him. ones like ours where it has our family's heart bursting through their chest with anxiety. <laughs> it, it does. It makes and them ours cringe. too. <laughs> yeah, it makes them cringe until you make it. Yeah. So absolutely. So what? Am, what then led you to the Marine Corps? Because you joined the Marine Corps a little late, right? I'd say a little late. Yeah, yeah. I was thirty-one years old, and you're joining the grunt side, and I. Yeah. Wow. You are crazy. <laughs> I, legitimately, uh, yes. I'm yeah. insane. <laughs> so, but that's what makes us great, right? Yeah. Oh, well, what happened, I, you know, I always had it in me, mm-hmm. you know, to, to do military service. And I just said, all right, I'm going to give this business a try first in college. And then, like the recruiter said, you know, I could revisit and go in. So I went on that journey and, um, I made it all the way up to having a showroom in downtown LA. Wow. Like I had no idea what I was really doing. Yeah. I just knew I, I looked up, you know, where the hub was. So imagine you, you want to play professional baseball and you show up at Dodger stadium with your stuff. Yeah. And that's what I did. <laughs> and amongst that, I was just lost. Yeah. Like, I don't even know why the guy rented me a space. Wow. Honestly. Yeah. I, I, I sold it to him. You know, I showed him my samples and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, you'd be good. Here's a space on the fourth floor, menswear, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I was swimming along. Then I had rent and everything on top of that. So I wanted to raise money to continue doing that. My brother was working for a finance company uh, in the trucking industry. So mm-hmm. he financed me a truck uh-huh. and I learned how to drive big rigs. Wow. And I started hauling strawberries. 
from from Oxnard up to Seattle, Washington first Mm -hmm. uh, for Whole Foods. And then I was hauling berries from here to Portland, Maine. Wow. Cross country. Jeez. And to uh, make the money to support your dream. Right. Yep. Support my dream. Well, I wanted to make money. So I financed a couple more trucks, just getting this trucking company going. And that's when diesel shot up to over $5 a gallon. Oh, my gosh. And then there was a freeze in California. Oh, <laughs> so wow. produce, there was oh no shortage. <laughs> it's was like the like, perfect ingredient to screw your career. And then all my trucks broke down. Oh, my. Like they were used trucks. So I had in between July and uh, November, I had over 57000 in repairs and maintenance. Oh, jeez. And so it just... That makes my heart hurt. The last leg was on uh, Van Horn, Texas. I had the truck coming back, my last truck, and it broke down there. Turbo went out, and it was like checkmate. Dude, that's so sad, too, because like Van Horn is one of those like memorable towns for me because that's like a place, you know, I travel out here a lot. I drive a lot. And so Van Horn's one of those towns where it's like, yes, I'm on another journey, you know, to get another story. So I'm sad that your dream kind of died there, but it was probably for the well, better now. Right. Looking yeah. Back, now yeah. looking back, I can, I think I'm ready to go visit Van Horn again. Yeah. <laughs> but for a while, that was not a place. For a while, no, go. no. I had t-shirts like, you know, uh, with Van Horn, like crossed out and like death and, you know, all kinds Anytime of, somebody mentions Van Horn, you oh, just like start cringe. vomiting yeah, all of a sudden. Because, yeah. you know, at the time I, you know, I had just bought a house. My daughter was a newborn. Oh my gosh. So I lost my house. I, so like, much pressure. Yeah, it was a lot of pressure at that time. And ironically, while my brother was working for that finance company, I used to repo trucks. Mm. So I, was a, I did that for about six, seven months. And then ironically, uh, my truck got repoed. <laughs> did you have to repo your own truck? <laughs> you just pull up. You're like, sorry, no. man, we got to take uh, well, it. And you're like, God, don't take it from me. <laughs> like yeah, you're talking to your I made it easy for him. You know, I left the door unlocked. Uh, okay. Yeah, the keys yeah. in the ignition. You're like, there's no fighting over this. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't going to fight it. I'm like, all right, you know. I know what it's like, so that's incredible, though, man. Yeah. Think so about I let it. I just let it go, and then um, at that point, I wanted to to restart my life, and then I blamed it on fashion. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I'm chasing this stupid dream, and I should have listened to my parents, my dad. Like when he pulled me out of sewing the first time, uh-huh. which was was going through my head, and um, at the time I was in really great shape. The only problem was that I was 31 years old. Mm. which for age, those of you that don't know marine corps that is ancient it's extremely ancient yeah. um the age cutoff is you can turn 28 in boot camp right but it's 27 i was off the charts but when i went back to the recruiting office the navy recruiter same office the chief i actually went to high school with okay so he he was also a friend of the family mm. and uh you know, I saw them and then I saw the Marine Corps recruiter and he, he just seemed locked on. I'm like, you know what? That's it just pulsed inside me since I was a kid. Mm. And uh, I told him, you know, I want to be a Marine. Wow. Yep. And he checked me out and he was like, how old are you? <laughs> he said, that could be a problem. 
but he didn't give up on me. Wow. Yeah. He found, he snuck me in to take the ASVAB. There's an old lady over at Point Magoo. Okay. And she only saw, she wasn't paying attention to the names, just mm. how many people were showing up. Mm. So he called me up and uh, he said, hey, you got to take the ASVAB today. Like, I'm going to pick you up. So I just went, took the ASVAB, scored pretty high. And then uh, from that, he was putting together the package to, like, try to get me in. Right. Because um, per a Navy order, the cutoff was 35 with a waiver. Mm. So he found a loophole. They just weren't, uh, at the time, General Salinas here on the West Coast was not doing any any age waivers. There was a, a problem. Um, a 31-year-old had died in a pool uh, during swim call. Mm, okay. So then they just stopped you know, messing with old folks. Which <laughs> <laughs> seems so ridiculous now that I'm 32, but I definitely, it's definitely a different thing between now and when I was 17 and I joined, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a different person, you know, it's like, but still I like think about that. I'm like, that's kind of crazy because an athlete is really like coming into the prime of his career around 30, 32. Right. But like, it's, it's really not a young man's game because they want to see how long they can keep you in and, you know, soak you for all your good youth, you know? Well, I was like an old Mustang that just never got driven. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I would tell him. Sure, like, you didn't have a lot of mileage, right? Yeah. It was just yeah. low mileage, you know, yeah. still good. I was, you know, I had to run a full PFT. Yeah. So there was some, some challenges, but the biggest one was getting in. So I, I, uh, at the time I stole my, my current wife's credit card booked a one-way flight to Nashville mm -hmm. and signed up on the East Coast. My recruiter here on the West Coast went to recruiter school with uh -huh. them on the East Coast, and they're like, there's a chance we can get you in on the East Coast. Wow. So I just took off one-way ticket. Bam, let's do this. Wow. Yeah, you up, wanted that on his way couch. too bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, that would have kept me out. <laughs> the Army was like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. my uh, my cousin was in the Army, uh -huh. uh, Green Beret as well. Yeah. And he was just blowing up my phone like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. join the Army. They'll take you right now. You're in great shape. Plus, you'll get a lot of money. Yeah. You're doing bonuses in 2008. Oh, yeah. And, I got a, uh, a nice yeah. one. Yeah, I, I got an Eagle Globe and Anchor. <laughs> oh my gosh, my Marines are gonna love that statement. <laughs> I didn't need a bonus. Yeah, I got the EGA. Now at that time, I could have really used the bonus, yeah. <laughs> considering yeah. I lost everything. And yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what what did your wife think about this, man? What, what was she thinking? Like, was she? Was she okay with it? And she was just like, oh, whatever, you know? No, absolutely not. <laughs> she, she was not okay with it. Um, wow. Maybe she was upset and she, you know, a little bit. Uh, and she was like, why are you doing this? There's yeah. other things you can do. Yeah. And then she said, okay, when she finally accepted it, she says, okay, so what are you going to do in the, in the Marines? You know, mm -hmm. are you going to be, you know, admin? You went to, to college you know, so you're going to be admin, supply. You said you want to be a firefighter. Maybe you can do that in the Marines. And I told her, um, infantry. <laughs> and she, she lost it. <laughs> she lost it. Yeah. Divorce papers start to come out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah. She was just, yeah. Wow, man. Speechless. My, sure. dad, my dad called me up and he was like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> the typical Air Force dad. Exactly. Yeah. Typical Air Force pops, yeah. you know, from Vietnam. He's like, you have no idea what you're getting into. He, he said, you know, I spent a couple years in Vietnam, 1965. Mm -hmm. He was like, you have no idea what you're getting into. I told him, well, 
you know, you can't pull me out this time, dude. I'm, yeah. I'm going. And I fought really hard. It took about six months mm. to get me in into the Marines. And even when I was there at MEPS in Nashville, they the Marine, the gunny had told me like, hey, you know what? It, it was already like 1630 end of the day. They're like, yeah, the, the age waivers didn't get signed yet. So, you know, we gave it gave it our shot. And then uh, I said, all right. And he said, the Army and Navy will take you in a heartbeat, man. You're you're solid. Yeah. So I was walking over, went back to the Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, the Army, the Army, they weren't in the office at that particular moment. So I just walked over to the yeah. Navy. Yeah. And uh, as I'm talking to the Navy liaison, the gunny is like, hey, get dressed back in here. So the, the waiver got signed. Wow. And uh, yeah, so that was a pretty pivotal moment. And then I'm like, oh, how am I going to get back home? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, I lived in California. Yeah, and you had and a one-way a, ticket there. Yeah, yeah, it was a one-way ticket. Jeez. And uh, I was ready to go to boot camp from there, mm-hmm. but uh, there wasn't for infantry. I don't know. They said it was still going to be a few weeks. Right. Yeah. So you went home and you got a chance to hang out with the family for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Since I was already in, uh, I knew that uh, there was a reserve unit here. Uh, 223 weapons that I was uh, interviewed for and I know they were taken off to Iraq so I wanted to get in on that yeah but because I signed up on the east coast they wouldn't allow me to join a reserve unit out here Mm. because they'd have to fill the billet if I dropped out from Nashville and it was a little challenging and then for my age waiver they had told me that they would only sign it if I went active duty Mm, of course yep so (laughs) And once you pulled in all the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, yeah. you're going all the way in. So, and you were 2-7 Marines, right? So then yep. you get signed up with 2-7. And 2-7's got a lot of history. Some of it good and some of it some pretty troubled. Um, as you know, I mean, Afghanistan, you know, massive study uh, was done by the New York Times, I believe it was. Yes. Um, on you know, the, the suicide problem. And it was very prevalent in 27 to the point where more guys were dying to do, due to suicide than actually dying in combat. So when you joined up with those guys, some of those guys had already gone through that, right? Like some of those issues. What, what was it like becoming a part of that, that unit? And, and what was the dynamic there when you got there? Um, the dynamic there was quite intense. I mean, the first thing I saw when I got my barracks was I saw, you know, a two seven Marine that, that had got blown up and, you know, he's walking down the, the catway, the P way with uh, prosthetic and just the whole tone of the time I could tell probably because I was older. Yeah. I could read the room, if you will, a lot better. And I knew that, that they had certainly gone through some rough times. Yeah. You know, and then when I started training with them, I knew the dynamic of of their camaraderie. It's just an incredible group of of gentlemen that, you know, I was just honored to be a part of. Yeah. A lot of them because I was older, they opened up to yeah. me, you know. Typically they don't do that to their boots. Yeah. And so just to be able to hear them out, be there train under them because they were they were tasked to train us to get ready to go back and uh, which that training was really challenging and and I could tell that 
you know, their, their patience, there wasn't any patience. Yeah. You know, they're trained us really aggressively. And then on the flip side to see when they, it was time for that generation to reenlist that very few reenlisted. Right. Most of them, I, the ones that I knew of, I mean, you can count them on, on one hand. Yeah. Like they all, um, most of them just wanted to continue on with, with their lives outside the Marine Corps. And I knew that was, you know, there was something there and I felt really honored that I, I was able to, to hear them and, you know, hear them out, to be there for them, to train with them, to sweat with them. And what's really tough was that these guys that I, that I looked up to, that mentored me, that, you know, turned me into uh, the hard charging machine gunner, if you will, and Marine, they started taking their lives at a rate that was just, yeah, it was just, it was rough. It was just, it was really, really hard to, to see that. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you develop a numbness in a way when it starts to become more prevalent? Because obviously you dealt with a lot of that. I'm sure when that first one, you know, took his own life, it was kind of stunning. But then when you go down that track and it starts happening more and more, what, what, what's the feeling? Initially it's, it's a huge blow because I saw the, the fight that they had. I, I got to, I mean, I got to live with them and, and train with them and really get to know them on a different level. And it's a little different for me because I wasn't there with them on that deployment. Right. But the fact that I was able to be there with them after, I believe, was for me one of the most meaningful and purposeful moments of my Marine Corps career. And then as they were doing that, initially it was, you know, it was devastating to hear that uh, we lost, you know, another one, then another one. And these guys that I, again, I, I looked up to, just an amazing group of warriors. And it was a blow to all of us that were there with them. Yeah. And initially it, you know, it just moves you. And at the time I was still in. I was on active duty still. I, I did eight years. You you kind of look at it, you go numb, and you uh, you just keep moving. Yeah. And it's just really, it was really, really tough to, to accept. Yeah. But it also made me reach out to those that, you know, my seniors that were really close to me. You know, one of them is, he's a, member at MVP, Sergio Cuevas. Mm-hmm. I got really close to him early on. He was my corporal early. So, you know, a corporal that was always yelling, just training us super hard, you know, like he was. <laughs> I somehow imagined that. From he, him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, he I'm was like, in I our, bet this guy, like, I, I like him a lot. He's a really nice guy, but I was like yeah. thinking to myself, I bet in this, in the Marine Corps, I would have hated this dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He probably, and most did. Cause I was know. like the easygoing team leader, you know, like, all right, dudes, no, let's most, do it. <laughs> my, uh, my peers were like, why do you talk to that guy? <laughs> like, you know? so, but there were certain levels and certain things that he connected with me you know, outside I was older. Yeah. You know, so he had a certain level of respect for, for me for being an old man and then coming from Southern California and like kind of a little bit 
similar upbringings. Yeah. It really led me to like reach out as much as I can with what I'm with those that are close to me. And I saw like the incredible stuff that, that merging vets and players has done with him. And during my tough times when I was going through some, some moments myself, I reached out to him. He was at a point in his transition where he was able to give me some advice and, and really help keep me moving. And so we found purpose in helping each other out and just being a resource for one another. And which is really rude though. What keeps me going every day with this fashion brand that I'm doing, we're getting, you know, a lot of those two, seven veterans following us and we're getting their attention and that's cool. And trying to inspire them to, to not think about suicide, but to really like find purpose again and do something that they've maybe didn't know they were passionate about or just, you know, an attention gainer, if you will. Yeah. And then they can utilize this trajectory, my trajectory as inspiration. And, you know, and then now we can point them over to organizations or, you know, if they're into the arts, we can point them that way. If they're not, you know, just really help them find their passion again. Yeah. That's Um, awesome. And I think they connect with me because I was, you know, I was there in the, in the stumps with them. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, 29 stumps. 29 stumps. Yep. <laughs> Good old Lake Bandini. That's great. <laughs> the only thing I think of when I think of 29 palms is like a liquor store and like a tumbleweed going across. Because every yeah. time I stop like outside of there, there's that gas station with the liquor store right yep. there. It's right off a of 10. Oh, yeah. And you stop and you're just like... Oh yeah, I could see why this would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Liquor stores, barbershops. Yeah, yeah. That's about it. I got out of my car. I was like, dude, I'm yeah. I am struggling mentally right now from just being outside of this vase. Like I had no idea that place existed. You didn't no. know? <laughs> no, when they You told lived me in I, California your whole life yeah. and never knew it was there. No. Yeah. No, at School of Infantry, they they're like, Oh, you're going over to two seven, twenty nine palms. And I was like, Where is that? <laughs> I had no clue. I lived here my whole life. And then uh, I'll never forget the bus ride over there. But yeah, it was, I was like, where's the rest of it? (laughs) That's a good reaction for 29 Paul. Where's the rest of it? it? And oh, I found out where the rest of it sure was with 2-7. It was behind the mountains and it's, it's huge. Yeah. But there's not much civilization out there. Yeah. But, it, you know, looking back, it was, I'm really honored and, really glad i was able to be part of that that organization you know well it's special man it was forging a fire i believe within you um you had that designer within right that guy who wanted to you know keep up with the guys like barbados and you know and all these incredible artists who have become um you know integral to to what is you know modern well dressed you know what what looks like good dress guys like that have impacted and girls like that have impacted our community uh and and our world through clothing and that that for them is their legacy and you wanted a bit of that you wanted a piece of the action but that forging fire and that proving ground in a way was the marine corps which is interesting right because you don't think well I'm going to go be an infantry Marine so I can, so I can go fashion, go to fashion school. (laughs) I mean, that's not usually the thought, but I mean, I asked my recruiter because they had that book of all military approved schools that you can use your GI bill. Yeah. And then I saw the fashion Institute on there. And so I asked the recruiter, I'm I'm like, so you're telling me (laughs) if I go Marine Corps, 
infantry. I can go to this school in this book, right? Uh-huh. He's like, yeah. I said, even this fashion school? And he said, I don't know why you would do that, but <laughs> but it's in the book, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, I was wondering. I was going to be like, what uh, did this What did this recruiter say to yeah. that? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and so I said, at that point, I just, I was like, all right. And yeah. I just checked one more time when I was over in uh, Nashville. Same thing. Gunny Hamlin over there. I yeah. asked him. I was like, Gunny, um, there's a school that's in here. Mm-hmm. Like, I can go to any school in here, right? He said, yep, it's in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. He yeah. said, they're all, you know, they all take the GI Bill. That's okay. awesome. And I, again, Gunny, so if I go with this MOS, mm-hmm. I can go to this school. And yeah. he said the same thing. I don't know why you would do that, but... <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it's in there. Ninety-nine point nine percent of Marines' reaction to you wanting to go to fashion school, <laughs> yeah, which was like, yeah, just not, not typical, I guess. No, but no, it's not. But it, but it, it's the strange thing because it makes a lot of sense. Um, that attention to detail is so key. We saw it yesterday again, being in yep. the factory, man. And I keep bringing this up. But it's because I was so blown away by the attention to detail from the inseams to everything that you brought to the mm-hmm. table with that attention to detail to, to the small little red detail showing the blood stripe from so the Marine Corps. Even the IPs, man. Like, that, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Like we make sure it's like really clean, no threads hanging out. You know, I, my ears are still ringing from, from boot camp for me having one stupid yeah. <laughs> string hanging out my uniform. You know, and that's something but, I noticed on the inside of those seams is like, you know, when I pull, when I, you know, in whatever, putting my jeans in the laundry or, you know, the few times that I do wash them, obviously don't do not wash my damn very often. Often. Right. Um, but when I'm putting it in the wash, I notice when I pull it, I, I notice, you know, there, there are some frays, you know, even with some of the really good denim. Right. Um, but with your stuff, it was so clean, dude. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a high dollar item. Like just looking at it, it feels important. You know, <laughs> it is. You put a lot of work into yeah, it. Yeah, And I figured, you know, um, we're a new brand and it's a highly competitive market. Yeah. So we like what's going to make us different. And you're at ground zero for yeah. a lot of this stuff. Hands down. I yeah. mean, we're at ground zero and entering this huge marketplace that's, you know, millions of dollars it takes to do what what I'm attempting yeah. or what we're doing. And so yeah, I'm not I, attempting. I, you're doing it. And so I was like, I better make sure my stuff is is tight and yeah. clean and and um like control everything we can, like max out what we have within our disposal. Yeah, that's what I did. And and it's been showing and resonating with those that know about it and mm-hmm. know fashion in that arena, which we're, you know, we're a fashion company, fashion first. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, you don't see a whole lot. Of, you'll see the, the military background if you really dig in and look. Right. right. You'll see the red waistband, nod to our blood stripe. And, you know, again, uh, paying respect to all those who, who lost their lives um, while in service and the little red bar tack, you know, Mm -hmm. you'll see it throughout the collection, but you know, I don't really do a whole lot of, I don't do camo. It's not BDU'd out or multi-cammed out (laughs) or digicammed out. Exactly. Marine Corps, like Marpat, like put EGA or put guns on anything or, you know, that's um, how you sell, bro. (laughs) Well, that's how you sell to to veterans, you know, and I, I buy, I bought, I've had my grunt style shirts, you know? Yeah. 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 um, Yeah. We're not here to hate on grunt style, but 
No. They got their own thing going. It's really cool yeah. what they do. It's special. But they you connect. wanted to be known for you wanted to be known yeah. for being a designer first, primarily. Right. Primarily. Yeah. yeah. And then people find out you're a Marine. Like exactly. cool. Wow. And he's a Marine. Like yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. They say they I mean, obviously everyone gets surprised. Everyone meaning just civilian in the fashion world, there's very few veterans in there. Yeah. Most people don't really don't really understand us or, or get us per se. Yeah. But they do understand fashion. Right. And when I was in fashion school, I did an advanced study in menswear. There was um, seven designers in that program. And uh, I was a top menswear designer. So wow. Was, so that was like voted by a panel of industry professionals. I mean, we had a co-founder of Hurley. Um, Carl Kanai was there. Um, Southern gentleman James Costa. I mean, it was it was stacked with industry professionals, and they judged it on the fashion portion of it. Wow. Then I did advanced study in denim. So for a whole year, I just studied denim. Got to travel with the school, and then uh, once again designed a collection. Mm-hmm. Showed at the Indigo Hotel in downtown LA, and was a top denim designer. Wow. Only one level, Marine elite that's let's it. do it at the best or let's not do it at all right <laughs> you ain't first you're last <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth man yeah. so yeah. i just you know i just go hard i just treat it like a gun drill yeah. honestly yeah. you know that tenacity too i didn't think about that there's an attention to detail there right with the design and just just the blueprint of what you're doing right putting yeah. these incredible pieces of fabric together creating something beautiful and timeless something that people want to wear something that people won't be afraid to spend a little coin on right right <laughs> well the biggest thing that's driving the cost on our jeans is that it's made here in the united states yeah you know it's a good point Sometimes I, I feel like I'm getting penalized for being here because people aren't buying my product because it's in their eyes is too expensive. Yeah. And we're being socially responsible. We're being made here. We're now working with the newest denim mill. So, mm. so American denim is making a comeback. It gone away. Yeah. And uh, with Vidalia Mills. So, you know, we live here in the U.S. It's more expensive. I mean, we pay above minimum wage. And a lot of times I just feel like, I have felt that it has worked against us in the business sector. Yeah. Um, I've met with some really large chains that had loved the designs. And they said if I had a lower price point and was made overseas, that they would purchase mm. like for their whole chain because they just love the design. I was it was really tempting. You know, I could have could have been a millionaire already, but I just stuck to what I believed in. Yeah. And I just feel that um, denim should be made here in the United States. Mm. And uh, I believe in made in USA. Part of that Even integrity. It, it, you know, it punched me in the face several <laughs> times business wise. You know, I've been struggling because people get scared on the price. Yeah. Um, most people. And but those that know it's a bargain. Yeah. Yeah. Know, oh, yeah. I'm not like price gouging at all. No. You know? And and I think if people saw that, not not to cut you off, but I, I really just want to get across from my perspective because it is like what I've seen in your stuff is incredible because the detail, the, the, the work that you put into every stitch and everything that's pieced together. Some people may not get that, but eventually they will through education. Right. And maybe it'll, and sometimes it'll, it won't be everybody's thing. It just won't. That's, that's a natural part of the process that you accepted when you decided to make everything in a certain way, right? Like high quality, we're going to listen, there are going to be a certain consumer base that just won't buy this and and we get that. But at the same time, I think a lot of it's also 
the educational piece. And then some people will spend that when they know why it is that they're, they need, they should buy that gene. Let me tell you, after looking at your stuff, I'm going, I'm looking at it and I'm going diesel. What? You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I, you know, I've been pretty fortunate to meet Adriana Goldschmidt. Yeah. Incredible designer. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. You know, a legend in the denim world, Mm -hmm. uh, European denim world. I mean, our, our quality is like, you know, it's up there. It's, it's way up there. It's, and I spend most of my time educating people on, on denim and mainly American denim. Yeah. um, Because it's such an iconic fabric and the gene Levi's 1849 here in San Francisco, California. Mm -hmm. It's like, come on. Yeah. And then throughout the, throughout our history, it's just been a piece of our culture on a lot of different levels. And then as I'm getting into the business, the most iconic mill in the United States, Cone Mills, White Oak plant, North Carolina shuts down, Mm. you know, they were open for over a hundred years. Jeez. Right as you get in, welcome. I am like put my whole collection, everything was sourced from, you know, the denim was sourced from their iconic red line selvage and stuff that Marlon Brando used to wear back in the fifties and, you know, just real heritage stuff. And then to see them, you know, go down, um, was gut wrenching. I, I toured the facility, uh, three months before they closed wow. as a student. So I felt really, really honored and, and blessed to be able to to see it while it was still in operation. And then now, just recently, the Dahlia Mills, they purchased those iconic looms that make the fabrics. I mean, those things were built in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and they they turned them back on. Wow. And I was honored to be there when they were just getting them on. And they, they had told me they just hired their newest employee. Mm-hmm. And he was... Uh, he was over 70 years old. <laughs> so I have to be 70 to know what those looms can do. <laughs> he's the only one that knew how to work on them. He worked at the mill his whole life. Wow. And uh, so they hired him and I was like, oh, I know how what it feels like to be the old, the old guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I connected with him. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be besties. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be besties, bro. Yeah. I got you. Don't worry. <laughs> That's um, awesome, dude. Yeah, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And now um, the gene that I designed for Barone was made from, mm-hmm. from some of the first yardage of that iconic American new surge of American denim to come back that it's it's coming I really believe in it wholeheartedly talk about that uh you know Josue Barone uh incredible guy all of you listeners know him uh very well he's been a part of the veterans project great guy uh came from a very hard background joined the marine corps and then gets blown up it loses his leg loses an eye you had an opportunity to design a piece of art that could impact his life. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's the, the proudest moment of my design career was doing that gene for him. I had met him at an event in Oceanside, Operation Jump 22, along with merging vets and players. I was asked to come out and be a vendor there. So I was showing the, the collection there. But more importantly, I just wanted to be amongst my, my brothers and sisters in arms. And uh, from there, I met um, Josue, and he really liked our jeans and the collection. He he showed up, and he was wearing some really cool sunglasses. Um, he always wears shorts because of uh, his prosthetic. 
And then he had on a, a jacket that was, you know, on trend. So yeah. right away, that, like that he's caught an ex- my eye. He's a well-dressed dude. He's a well-dressed. I, I recognize well-dressed yeah. dudes, and he's a well-dressed yeah, dude. He's, Debbie's part of the reason, but he's definitely yeah, right. a well-dressed well, dude. Well, he, he did say that. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. gave that stipulation. He was like, yeah, my wife, you know, helps me out. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I just like, yeah, well, you know, it's it's well put together. And then he, he looked at the jeans, and he said, man, I really, you know, want to wear them, but I I can't because of my prosthetic he said i don't even wear jeans and uh, i said well maybe there's something we can do you know one marine to the other and then i saw him again over at bastards during the marine corps birthday mm, okay there in downey and uh by that time i had already started working on some sketches so it was and it was only a week later wow and then uh a week then, later <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then from there um over in it was december I had invited him to come over to the factory to my office and that way I could, you know, really develop and see what we can do to help him out, get him in a pair of jeans. And so he came by and mind you, during that time, it was a rough week that whole, I had, uh, I have an Airstream trailer, Mm -hmm. so I had, I had crashed it. (laughs) I had nice. Uh, I got evicted from my other warehouse. I had a warehouse, so I got my eviction notice wow. to get out of there. And then uh, my truck got repoed, so I kind of went through a rough patch. Wow! So I borrowed a car. I said, you know, if anything, I'm I'm gonna stick to what I believe in. And like, if I'm going out, I'm gonna do this gene for Barone if it's the last thing I do. Wow! And so I I went down there, um, observed them. Uh, we went to lunch. And I just watched like what really saw what his struggle was and then develop a gene um, that would work for him, but not only work for him, that would be on trend, something that people without prosthetics would want to wear. Yeah. And that, that was a challenge and there was no in between, like it was either going to be a hit or it was just going to be a hospital pant. There was like no in between with this. And I was really nervous because the pressure, like, man, you know, Barone's really, his story and, and what he's done just really inspires me, mm-hmm. you know, just as a human being, the pressure of having to make a gene. I didn't want to upset him, you know, or fall short. Right. Or have another, you know, disappointment. He shared that there's other brands that have tried to do things, but none of them came through. And so within two days, it took us two days. He came in on Tuesday. Wow. Um, by Thursday, we had the gene sewn up for him to try on. Tenacious. And, oh, yeah. yeah. We treated it like a gun drill. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, that's the last thing I'm going to do. Tenacious. Yeah, I'm going to do I'm gonna do that. And he came in, tried the gene on, and was just blown away. And I told him, I was like, hey, um, Barone, like, honestly, um, don't post anything. Don't tell anybody. I'm just doing this because I'm an artist. You know, I love doing this. And from one Marine to another, I said, I just wanted to help you out. You know, you said you had a problem wearing jeans. So here you go. Yeah. Something special. Yeah. Something special. And then on Christmas Eve, um, he was out to dinner with his family. And then he sends me a text, you know, telling me that how that gene, and it gives me chills every time I talk about it, but uh, how that gene changed his life, you know, and made his life easier. Wow. You know, because he's now able to go to dinner without being embarrassed. Yeah. He has to release his leg every time he sits down. And wow. the only way to do that is either you pull, he wears shorts, so he pulls the shorts all the way up. If he gets into pants, he has to pull his pants down. Mm. And that, you know, already 
he has a challenge of just feeling um, normal in a crowd, like doesn't want to draw attention to himself. Mm -hmm. So this gene really allowed him to function without drawing a lot of attention. Yeah. And then he just felt, he said he felt empowered. Like they look good, you know, yeah. it was like a slim taper. So it was on trend. And then I designed it to where it kind of looks like a motorcycle gene. Yeah. So really, and I utilize that to hold, cause I put two zippers. Wow. On there, even though he has, uh, I've the, seen them. They're beautiful. Yeah. He has the, um, prosthetic on the left leg. I put them on both as oh. a design, you know, element. Smart. Yeah. And then, I mean, we've been getting, um, a lot of response on social media on that gene. Uh, great, re great reviews. People that don't have prosthetics, like wanting that gene. Mm -hmm. And then we showed it in project in Las Vegas project is, uh, the largest fashion conventions. So, I mean, we're in wow. there with, you know, Calvin Klein, Tommy jeans, mm -hmm. lucky brand, um, diesel, yeah. Seven for all mankind. Trinidad three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah is, there, is there like ever that moment where you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. One, not like the other. For <laughs> you <know>. sure. <laughs> you know, you know, you're, uh, and I say that in the most respectful manner possible, but yeah. you know, you're young in the game in a lot of ways. Yeah. You're also a Marine, you know, you come from a different background, but, uh, it's that it's actually, like I said, ironically enough, that same thing that makes you a good hard charger Marine that makes your recruiters go, why the heck would you want to go to fashion school? <laughs> it's ironically enough, those little attentions, those little items of attention to detail that have made you so good at what you do in that moment where you're, you as a combat Marine are able to help out another combat Marine both infantry, right? Both 0311 Grandside, very proud tradition to be able to help a brother out. What's that like? Like I tell um, people in the industry, if I don't sell another gene again, I'm I'm good. <laughs> like mission accomplished. Honestly, I feel yeah. fulfilled. Yeah, that gene, and then um, what we're you know able to do and and inspire other other vets, other you know um, veterans with prosthetics and challenges. Yeah, I'm solid. But there will be more to come. You got guys like, you know, like Tony Ferguson wearing your stuff like <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the man, yeah. like, you know, about to fight Khabib, yeah. like wearing your stuff. You know, you've got incredible, you know, you Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt Beatty. Like you've got some athletes and yep. and people that do that, that do care about how they look, right? They yep. care about that design. It's important to them. What, what a UFC fighter that cares about how they look? What exactly? <laughs> they do, man. We're they trainable. Yeah. yeah, no, it's pretty important now. And yeah. then I uh, had a great conversation with Randy Couture. Yeah, who um, awesome is also in Randy's the, a good dude. Yeah, he's an amazing human being. I mean, I've always obviously been inspired by his career, and uh, was honored to have him in our booth and. You know, he was proudly wearing Trinidad three jeans. That's awesome. And he has he has his own company too, Extreme Couture. So yeah. He, and it was just great to have a conversation with him and to see what this brand has been um, really transcending and breaking barriers. Um, but it, it it all ties into what what keeps us moving. You know. Right. And the fact that you know a lot of it's safe to say the majority of it the United States support veterans. Yeah. But the fact that we're able to also back, back it with, with fashion and a high quality product really is, is carrying it. 
yeah. you know, that much further to where I don't ask these these guys to wear the product. Most of them, yeah, purchase, you know, so right. they all buy it and and they wear it and I don't ask them to post or do anything. Yeah. So I mean, we have NBA athletes, we have, you know, a lot of athletes, UFC fighters, Bellator fighters, mm-hmm. and they're just uh yeah, they they say it makes them feel, you know, empowered. Yeah. That's what Tony told me. He said I felt like a badass in that that gear. And then like I had no idea. <laughs> when Tony Ferguson tells you something makes him feel like a badass, you know you've done right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then he, he's kind of a bad dude. Yeah, and then to see him um when he did the face off with the cowboy yeah and he was like wearing our jacket t-shirt and jeans wow yeah with his uh his belt on his shoulder i was like holy like that (laughs) that's incredible like i did not see that coming yeah you know yeah that's a special moment you know detail wise like this is not a cheap industry to be in let's just be you know that was something we kind of hit on earlier talk about a little bit about Vegas and some of the things you're just forced to do just to get to that event, you know, what you have to do to make a decision to attend something so vital and important to your industry, but really join the rich man's game, right? Right. Like, well, I had to sell my 53 Ford F100. (laughs) Yeah, that one. It really hurt. Oh, that hurt. (laughs) It hurt. I didn't um, mean to laugh. It's more shock. Yeah, I'm still recovering from that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I just said it and I'm like, I sold my truck. <laughs> 53 Ford yeah, F100, F100 so that you could be yeah. in Vegas so for I that So I could be event. in Vegas. And then I've that's been really passion. blessed. There's a, a gentleman, a lawyer that's been helping me financially to keep the dream alive. And on the day that they repoed my, my truck, my newer truck, yeah, he sent me the deposit for um, the show in Vegas. So mm. he... Uh, I was able to lock in the space Wow! and then, um, then had to hustle the rest. And even that was pretty incredible. I found out why he's been backing us. He's been seeing what we've been doing. And, uh, on nine 11, 2001, he was in tower two, 40th floor <laughs> when the plane wow. hit. Wow. So he's a nine 11 survivor. And I was just blown away because, and he shared it that day and he's been, he's been supporting us for over a year, you know, just, I fall fourth and inches and he gets me the first down. Wow. He's just like, keep going, keep going. And then I'm thinking like the dream's over. Yeah. And then, uh, he gives me a call and him and my good friend Caesar down in San Diego, they, they've been mentoring me along the way and just helping me get that first down. And just his story alone, once I found out his why and how it aligned with our why, mm-hmm. it was just like incredible. Cause what happened to him directly affected like all of us yes all of us me too that's involved with this brand yeah yeah you know all of us the whole community so then back to your question like what it took you know it it took that it took you know negotiating with the factory factory owner who's just been an incredible supporter um he's also been affected by war in in his country in el salvador so he, he came over here in the 80s like running with this family. Jeez. Um, yeah. They were getting shot at and it was pretty incredible yeah. story. And he feels um, such a love for the United States that he, he's been just helping me out, mentoring me on the fashion side and just brought me under his wing and helping us push forward because, you know, every, 
you know, it's very expensive to make these samples, you know, and, you know, you're putting together a 25 piece collection. I mean, it's getting it made here. You're, you're talking over 25 K just in development. Wow. And I mean, most of these brands spend, you know, 50 to 75 every season. Yeah. That's thousand on their samples. Wow. And then not to mention like the space over there. It's, it's, it's expensive. 25 K to see if you have a hitter. Right, just to see right what the season's going to do and take Jeez. it to market. Yeah, so I'm. Yeah, it's a steep hill, man. Like, are you saying that you can't be afraid of risk to be in this industry? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, you have to be insane <laughs> to know which most of us, and that's the connection we have with uh, veterans. You know, and the, those odds, yeah. you know, odds are against you, and just not being afraid to to go for it and then sometimes like you'll get breaks along the way but i've just rooted it and just really dug into again finding that purpose and sticking to that um during my biggest challenges i stuck to what i believed in mm. you know that's yeah. one of the hardest things uh getting to that break like you know in those in-between moments like i i know what you're talking about mm -hmm. dude like totally where i was just like i don't know if i'll be under a bridge this month <laughs> Yeah, you know, hands like, down. I don't know where I'm going to be. And that's even scarier with a wife and kids, you know, yeah. like you have. Like for me, oh, yeah. it's just like, well, cool. I guess I can sleep under a bridge. Yep. But for you, that's not an option. Yeah. So it's like. Well, explain it to the wife and kids that, you know, Christmas this year is, you know. Looking sparse. Yeah. Yeah. And then my daughter waking up at 3.30 in the morning like, Dad, they're taking our truck. And yeah, you know, that's rough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I just want to instill in them like, you know, you chase your dream and you you don't give up yeah you know you just don't you know you find a way and you keep pushing through it but really um stick to what you believe in mm -hmm. and that's what i did so when i was looking at the 53 i was looking at opportunity to go to market it was uh as tough as it was um that was just a personal you know emotion the greater good is being able to you know, make this business a success and get into market so that I can continue to support and do things on the veteran side. And if you're successful in this and that, you know, in, in what you're doing, uh, you know, with that type of decision, you know, which you kind of have to make in order to get into it and really be successful, that 53 Ford 100, not looking so tough to get back. No, I'll buy it back. <laughs> buy 10 more. Yeah. I'll buy it back. Find success, yeah, in, in what you're yeah. doing. And you're on that route. You're on that path. What? Yeah, we're certainly on that path. And, you know, in doing so, I mean, look what happened. That Barone gene um, was best showpiece 2020. So it got an award. That's amazing. An award-winning gene, which, you know, got us seen by, by major retailers. I yeah. mean, man, we just met with a very, very major um retailer based in seattle we'll leave it at that yeah yeah for now yeah that's cool yeah which is really exciting that's awesome yeah. so so what are your goals going forward you know with with this company and and what do you want to impress upon veterans who maybe you know or, or anybody in the community who sees your gene and goes man you know but normally here's the thing man i get my jeans for 50 bucks down or, or 40 or, or, you know, probably cheaper than that, you know, right. 30 or 40 bucks, man. What, why should I get, you know, yeah, I've got the money, but I want to spend it on other things. Why should I spend it on your jeans? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm really glad you asked that question. Yeah. Um, 
one of the most patriotic things that you can do is serve, mm -hmm. you know, serve this country, right? Right. The military. And we believe obviously in, in the United States, right? Made in USA. We don't, it's safe to say we don't want to see that go away. Yeah. But it's going away. It's gone away. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the price of the gene, I mean, I just challenge every, every veteran, like flip your labels, you know, like who are we supporting? What, why? Right. In this day and age, I think, um, with sustainability, transparency, and all these, these words um, that are getting kicked around. Um, and a lot of them purely just words. Purely. Not actually action. Exactly. Like, you know, I, I really believe in, in doing things the right way. And if that's something that aligns with what your beliefs are, mm -hmm. then this gene is certainly for you. Yeah. You know, if it's not, if it's mainly price, then I just challenge you to, to take another look at it because would you work for under minimum wage? Yeah. You know, would you work in substandard conditions? No, none of us would. No. That's an interesting point, man, because I think about like, you know, outsourcing some of the stuff we mm -hmm. outsource, right? And then I think back to, to what you're doing and I, I watched your workers uh, yesterday that are working in the factory. Incredible people, incredible human beings yeah. who are doing incredible work. Without them, you know, that attention to detail is not met, right? right? That hard work ethic, that's sweat equity. They're getting they're getting paid their just due for what they're doing yeah. now. But when you're out, and you know it, it's oh, yeah. coming out of your pocketbook. Exactly. I know exactly what <laughs> yeah. they're making. Yeah. <laughs> but when you outsource that, you know, to another country and you're saying like, man, we have a problem. You know what? I have a real problem with below minimum wage. I have a real problem with people getting kicked and pushed around. And then, and and the other argument of it, like, well, they wouldn't have jobs if they didn't have this. Yes, they right. would. It, they would. Ha they would find another job from another. Min and and does that excuse us from from paying that below minimum wage? Because because uh, you know, in that country, it's acceptable. And like, you know, in, in if you really about helping people out, you know, first of all, we're, we've got to help ourselves first. Right. We want to be able to help other places. And the sustainability factor of what you're doing in, in is it's much tougher, but you're creating jobs here Correct. for people here where they're getting paid their just due and they're doing great work and they're getting paid for that great work. That's a beautiful thing, right? So, so why not outsource? Um, cause I, I don't believe in that. Yeah. I, I believe that, that we can do things here, mm -hmm. you know, wholeheartedly or else uh, the easy thing to do is to outsource. Right. You know, I could have had this, this brand in multiple outlets, multiple stores and, and arguably been, been doing well. Um, but even when I'm, you know, hiring veterans, um, in our pop-ups, you know, I'm paying them well above minimum wage. No other store in the industry, and these are veterans that that go to fashion school. Um, you know, they're they're getting offered jobs or even part-time jobs, minimum wage at a store, this and that. And you know, it just it's not right. I mean, these guys served our country and you know are entrusted to lead people into battle, and then you know they over here they're entrusted in this industry to file papers and work for minimum wage. Yeah. So it's just not overall. I just think the social responsibility portion of it is, is really important. And it's not, you know, we're not asking for an astronomical price. No, you know? Yeah. 
Um, yes, we're above importers. There's no way we can compete with something that's made overseas, hands down. What we pay in one hour is what a lot of them make in a day, two days, three days, some some countries a whole week, Wow, honestly. And so, I mean, talk about a an unfair um, battlefield, if you will, Yeah. Um, when it comes to price. But, you know, most people don't know that. Yeah. And so to answer your question, like, I, I know it can be done. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah, it's going to cost a little bit more. It's uncomfortable for me, mm-hmm. you know, to have to find a way to make this product solely because it's what I believe in. Yeah. You know, That's especially with, you know, me of serving uniform comes off. It's like, you know, I want to see American denim like strong and doing well. And I don't want to see Vidalia Mills go away, you know, like the way white Oak plant went away because people want to save, save money on, on clothing. And, um, in lieu of that, what we're doing is just producing quality. Mm. doing it responsibly so of course you know i mean we've all enjoyed the benefits of spending you know less on a garment but over time uh, i think we're actually spending more yeah that's a good point too like durability uh the ability to keep something i mean i know i've had a few Mm -hmm. pairs of jeans that have lasted me six or seven years and those have been my favorite pairs of jeans because they just time and time and time again, first of all, I love the look. You have to love that, right? Oh, but also they, they hold up. And when something holds up, like I've seen your workmanship and I go, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I could have that gene for 20 years. You know? <laughs> I mean, it may be out of style in 20 years, but you know, like that particular cut or look, right. but like that ability to like, you know, have a pair of jeans and go, man, this is not going to break apart. Like, this is not going to rip up. This is going to be here. I'm going to end up buying, you know, three or four pairs of jeans in that time. You're actually saving in a lot of ways, but also you're getting a way better gene for right. that, for that. And, and you're going to look and like a stunner. Yeah. And then you're contributing to, you know, some social good. So, you know, you get the feel good automatically Yeah, portion of it. Everybody wants to feel good. Like they're doing, you know, giving back and things like that. We're here, you know, it happens just automatically. I mean, I, I served, um, we have a, a whole team of veterans behind it. Yeah. Um, on the face, you wouldn't, you know, really know, but, uh, the underlying uh, crew behind it are, are veterans and, you know, we're trying to do, trying to do good. It's expensive to do things the right way. It is. Yeah. I just chose not to go the other route. That's smart, man. Well, I'm thankful for you going for, for doing that. So, you know, one last question I want to kind of get to, you know, legacy because we talk about legacy a lot within this uh, piece. big word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we use that. I mean, that's kind of become our motto on this side of things. You know, I share that with my presidents, both of them on the caregiver project side and say all the time, you know, our legacies are the mission. That's the mission. That's the entirety of what we do. If I'm not preserving these legacies in a proper manner, if I leave you with a piece where I hand it off to you and you go, yeah, man, that was good. And then you're like, yeah, it was kind of like a lot of articles. I'm like, nope, I messed up. I messed up. I don't need to be doing this if that's the type of work I'm putting out. I'd rather not do it if that's the case. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you substandard, you know. So for me, I need to know. I kind of want to know what do you want, how do you want people to remember you 
in your work and what you're doing. Ask every. This is not some morbid question. <laughs> I know something you don't. <laughs> um, you know, this is like you know. This is a very important piece of yeah. the of the of the story. Whether Baton Death March veteran or Iraq, yeah. Afghanistan served in the Marines, you know, uh, Vietnam, whatever. You know, we want to know what your what your legacy is that you want to impart upon this world. Yeah, I, I really want to be known for post service legacy, the work that that I've done outside of the uniform. Mm-hmm. I want to be known as as an American designer that believed in the United States and being made in USA, being on the forefront of the resurgence of American denim. Mm, that's cool. That's what I want. Yeah. And I never really thought of myself as being someone of legacy capacity or material because mm-hmm. I root, I always just root everything I'm doing on helping others. But now I'm going up against giants. Yeah. And I know that through time, what we've done here should at minimal set a, set a standard in this industry, in the fashion industry of how things should be done. Yeah. And um, the fact that we can take a gene and impact someone's life take that any day yeah that's powerful man Not many designers that can say that no well that diligence that i see within you and the attention to detail and everything that you took me through yesterday you know obviously photography is a big part of this work uh but my ability to guide uh to 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 see the the various works that you put in on the art side is such a powerful visual representation of your time in the core uh, because if I see that workmanship come into a gene, <laughs> come into <laughs> denim, come into leather, doing all the things that you're doing, and that's powerful, man. So I want to thank you for doing it right. Because I, as an artist, can look at a fellow artist in the eyes and be like, you know, not full of <laughs> and be like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I've had to be full of before you know well you had know. to kiss a little butt <laughs> you've <laughs> you heard know. of fake it till you make yeah, it but, yeah <laughs> but, but it, we just yeah we if you don't have to sh- yeah yeah, yeah. yeah but to, real. you know how it is but when i look you know when i look, can look you in the eyes and say thank yeah. you because you are creating an incredible product and you're inc- more than that you're incre- you're creating something that can change lives as seen in the model of Hostway. uh so thank you so much man oh no it, it's an honor in in this one fabric lastly denim you know it can be a unifying fabric we know the political climate we're in Mm -hmm. without getting into either side it's just great that there is something that we can all you know agree upon and kind of come together as americans yeah and that is a gene yeah doesn't matter what side of the fence you stand on i guarantee you they're in a pair of jeans yeah (laughs) i like that man you get a you get a bunch of sayings that could be on t-shirts man (laughs) don't do that do the denim (laughs) they've got plenty of t-shirts uh yeah anyways but can you let people know where to go and you know we're gonna put that in the description but you know where where do they go to get your product to to get your legacy piece Uh, you can go to trinidad3.com okay we're on Instagram at Trinidad Three Jeans. Awesome. Yep. Cool. And, uh, and coming soon to retailers near you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sound of it, man. Hey, we've already got one in San Antonio, okay? Yep. So I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to traveling and seeing your stuff on the road and being like, 
I know that dude. Yes, and then texting do. you and you not answering. <laughs> no, that's too cool for you, Tim. <laughs> no, I, mean, I'm, I need that camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be around, bro. All right, man. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, for those of you listening in, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And lastly, don't forget our legacies are the mission. This has been the Veterans Project Podcast with our founder, Tim K. Check us out at www.thevetsproject.com, on Instagram at The Veterans Project, Facebook The Veterans Project, and Twitter at Project underscore Veteran. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, our legacies are the mission.